Good morning, everyone. This is Pastor Troy Bottom once again with the Raven Institute of Ministry and Biblical Studies. Good to be uh, here with you on this uh, bright and sunny uh, Monday morning, getting ready for, uh, I believe, Lesson 46. It is in our study on the book of Romans. If you're joining us for the first time, we want to thank you for joining us. Once again, I'm Pastor Troy, and what you've come upon is the Rabin Institute of Ministry and Biblical Studies, where we're literally doing an expository teaching through the book of Romans. And it's been a, a tremendous time. If you've missed out on any of these lessons, and you're just maybe coming in here on on. on Class 46, you can go to our website at www.biggrace.com and click on the button for Raven Institute. And all of our uh, previous uh, chapters have been uh, downloaded in MP3 format for you to download onto your computer in MP3 format. And so you can take those, use those, uh, utilize those in any way you want to. We also have a blog that has all 45 chapters on them, and it's in a less... Uh, graphic uh, format so it's not too hard to download and that is at www.raveninstitute.blogspot.com that's www.raveninstitute.blogspot.com and you can go there and download all of those and uh, burn them on a CD pass those things out give them away as you desire and allow the word of God to just get inside of your heart and we just believe in uh, the Word and sowing the Word into our hearts and our, through our lives because we know the Word teaches us and we hide the Word in our heart that we will not sin against Him. And so it's a tremendous opportunity to come here and we're here Monday through Friday from 9 a.m. until 10 o'clock a.m. Eastern Time. So we just invite everyone to to be with us on a, on a daily basis as we get into God's Word. So let's, let's just pray this morning and ask the, the Lord's blessing upon this time of uh, fellowship in the Word and just to give us an expectancy and to just open our eyes on the things that God wants to teach us today. Father, we just thank you this morning for the opportunity to come before you and to seek you and to know you. Lord God, we know that we're in a battle, Lord God, that there is a a battle literally for the souls of men. And we know, Lord God, that the battle is not going to be won, Lord God, in a natural way. But the Word says that the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God, even to the pulling down of strongholds. And we thank you that Ephesians chapter 6 gives us a sword, and it says the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. Father, we want to be armed and dangerous for the kingdom because we know the Word tells us that the kingdom suffers violence, but the violent take it by force. And if we're going to be forceful men and faith-filled women of God, Lord God, we have got to be armed and equipped thoroughly with the Word of Truth. And today, Lord God, we come and we just ask that by the Holy Spirit of promise that you would lead us into, and guide us into all truth just as you have said you would in your Word. We come and we submit ourselves unto you, Lord God, all the obstacles, all the bondages, Lord God, anything that would inhibit us from knowing you and to, to, to and making your word and your name known, Lord God, amongst the nations. We just cast those things down. We ask that you would come bring healing and, and restoration. Lord God, if we have any odd in our hearts, we lay those things down, any unforgiveness. Anything, Lord God, that would stand as an epitaph, Lord God, is, a, is something that would be distracting, Lord God, or, or, or prevent us from doing and knowing you, Lord God, in a more intimate way. We just ask, Lord God, that you would cleanse us and forgive us from those things. Just search us today and allow that word to be a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our paths. Lord God, we thank you that you've come today to teach us and to guide us, Lord God, and to give us direction. And I pray that all eyes would be open, Lord God, even as John said on the Isle of Patmos, that let those that have eyes to see, see, and those that have ears to hear, Lord God, that which you would speak unto the churches. And so, Father, we're here today, Lord God, with that purpose in mind, is to see, Lord God, what you would speak through your word, and Lord God, that you would reveal through your Holy Spirit into our lives today. And we thank you for these things, and we trust you, Lord God, in Jesus' name. 
Amen, amen, and amen. Hope everyone had a great weekend. And uh, I know that a lot of ministry went out. If you're not familiar with Raven Ministries, uh, literally we have teams that are going out all over the nation from east to the west. If you want more information on the uh, ministry of Raven Ministries International, once again, you can go to our, our uh, website at www.biggrace.com. And there is a uh, link at the very bottom of the page that says Raven Nation. You can go on there and click on uh, any of the cities that we have Raven teams on. We'd love to, to be involved and have you involved in the ministry that we're doing. And we, uh, or to be involved in the ministry that you're doing. If you're in a city close by and we can help uh, in any way to lend a hand, we would just love to be a part of what God is doing in your area and just come alongside you and uh, to be a help and to be a strength to you and an encouragement or anything that we can lend. If we can have uh, some of our leaders in, in cities near you, they would love to come and to teach a uh, uh conference, a weekend uh, teaching on evangelism, and, and if you're saying, listen, we want to get involved in those type of things, we just don't know what to do. Man, we have folks all over the country that are willing to come and to, to share some of their time with you, to teach you what God has entrusted in them to know. So, uh, once again, you can contact us through the uh, through the website at uh, biggrace.com or raven at biggrace.com on the uh, on the email. So love to love to be a help to you and love to know what's going on in your lives and in your ministries as well. So let us know we want to be involved in that. Folks, uh, God is doing some things. You know, you get to you get to see things as you get out around the country and, and get to be different places. There's such a, a, a spiritual void or a literally kind of a vacuum I see that's taking place. Um uh, it's just an, an absence, really, from an urgency and an expectancy in the things of God. I don't know what, where you're at today. You know, we uh, these these messages are downloaded between five and six thousand times within a couple weeks, and so our our, our student base is, is probably very large and very diverse. And so, where you're coming from, we have an international audience, and so different type of things. But here in the United States, where we're based out of, you know, we we see so many things, and there's such a dilution of the, the of the truth and of the gospel, which is just really is, is consistent with what the Word of God is teaching us in these last days. It says that the time will come when men will not endure sound doctrine, but after their own lust they'll heap to themselves teachers and they'll have itching ears. It says they'll turn their ears away from the truth and they'll be turned unto fables. You can find that in, in 2 Timothy chapter 4. But, but folks, there is. There is a dilution of the truth, but there's such a necessity, and I believe there's an urgency that God is raising up a people and a generation in this last hour. They will herald the coming of the Lord and they'll, they'll preach truth and righteousness, they'll preach repentance and, and faith towards God. There's just such a a, a, a desire and, and, and I believe in people's hearts to see something more real and it's than, than what we've seen for, for a generation almost. So there's such a, a departure from the things of God. But as the, the, the day draws nigh uh, of the coming of the Lord, I believe what we're going to see is such a, a separation of the, the wheat and the chaff. We're going to see a, a, a separation of the, of the sheep and the goats to such a degree that it's going to demand so much more out of we that call ourselves believers. And so I just really encourage you that are believers to, to continue to seek the face of God and don't don't allow deception to come in. Seek Him, uh, and when you seek Him, you'll find Him. Uh, we were in a, a church just yesterday, and you know I believe it was good intentioned people and whatnot, but you could just see there's just a void of, of spiritual things and an urgency for the things of God. And uh, I believe that more and more we're seeing those type of things, and and we can we can say what we want to say, but literally the fruit is what's going to come out of our lives. And I just encourage you to to stay before God, stay in the in, in the presence of God and stay in the will of God and, and keep your sword sharp as you drag it across the, the whetstone of God's Word and allow it to do a work in your life. And so, having said that, we, we've been studying and we studied in, 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 in 
In chapter 4 of our study in the book of Romans, we, we dealt really with one central idea or determination uh, that would be really appropriate to kind of just make this one time. And that's that salvation or, or justification comes from only one place. And that is through faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. You know, he, he, he made the point in that fourth chapter relating to the Jews that it came not through their acts of circumcision. It didn't come through the law. But relating to the, to the Gentiles and really for we as the church, that it's, it doesn't, salvation doesn't come through church membership or, or adherence to religious customs or to say religious things or anything like that. That it's faith and it's faith alone that will literally save a man from hell. And then, folks, you really got to kind of break it down. You know, Jesus came for a reason. He was saved, come to save us from the wrath to come. He didn't come to save us uh, from the error of our own ways. He didn't come to save us from our situations. He didn't come to save us from our 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 our, our difficult times. He, while those things will will be a benefit of salvation, the reason that Jesus came was that once Adam fell, man was had a beeline uh, headed straight to hell. But because of, of when Jesus came, that He came to. to purchase us back and to, to redeem us from the curse of the law, that He came literally to save us from hell. That man, that from the time He is born, He is falling headlong into an eternal destiny that, that, that promises only uh, anguish, it promises only a complete and eternal separation from God. And so folks, when, when Jesus came, He came to bring that message of, 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 of grace through faith that's going to rid us from that, that anchor that's literally dragging us into the, 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 the abyss and to the bottomless pit. And so we've got to come to that place where we understand, listen, the urgency of the hour and, and really what kind of battle that we're in for. And we're in a battle for living for the hearts and the souls of men. And so, you know, we've got to come back to that place that it's not about membership, it's not about anything else. It's about faith and faith alone in the Lord Jesus Christ. And folks, folks I stated uh, concerning Romans chapter 4 that it's kind of a, a rest stop really on the road to understanding the, the whole of this tremendous, tremendous doctrinal work of the book of Romans. And we see that it, it really comes down to the point that we, we come to that place and with, with all those vast details, with all that, that vivid imagery that we looked at in, in those examples that we had in chapter 3, that he just, he just broke it down and he said, don't get boggled down with all the details. He said, the, the details are great. We need to know those type of things. He said, but don't miss the, the, the trees for the forest or the forest for the trees. That you've got to see that when it comes right down to it, folks, it's through faith in the Lord Jesus Christ and Him alone that we're saved by. And we've got to keep our central focus upon those things. Otherwise, what happens is in our efforts to, to bring other people into the kingdom, what happens is we begin to substitute something for the message. And we substitute what we do. We substitute other type of things. And, and, but, but what God wants us to do is keep the central focus on that. Folks, as I was preparing to, to open our teaching on the, on the book of, uh, the fifth chapter here in the book of Romans, uh, something came to me that, that really our study is a lot like kind of snorkeling along a, a reef and looking for treasure beneath the surface of the water. Chapter 4 was kind of like that place where you're, you, you kind of stop for a moment and you just kind of take that deep breath in preparation so that you could dive just a little bit deeper into and search for richer rewards in, in God's Word. And so I really what I want you to do is just kind of look at that. Every time that you're, you're, you're kind of gasping for breath as we study the Word of God and it seems to get deep, come up for air, so to speak, and just take that deep breath and say, listen, at the end of the day, 
It's, it's grace through faith. I'm not saved by my own works, that it's, it's a total dependence upon the work of the cross. And, and take that deep breath. When you're struggling in, in areas of your life and you're, you're believing God for a breakthrough in your finances or in your family or in, your, in, in, in relationships or, or in your health or whatever it is, stop for just a second and take that deep breath and say, God, you know what? I just need to, I just need to breathe in and to receive and to fill myself up with that, that breath of Your Word and say, you know what? Everything that happens to me, everything that, that, that's going to uh, occur in my life is strictly going to be by the grace of God through faith in His Word and through faith in a relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. So always remember that. Just keep that in mind. When you're struggling, when you, you need an answer for God, just stop and take that breath and say, God, listen, I'm, I'm coming up for air. I know that I'm looking for those deep riches or those deep answers. I'm looking for that miracle healing. I'm looking for that, that, that breakthrough in my life. But anything that I'm going to receive through Christ Jesus is always going to come through that one source. Whether it's healing, uh, whether it's a, a financial breakthrough, whether it's relationships, whether it's a, a, a touch, whatever it is that you need from the Lord, it's going to come through that one place, grace through faith. And so take that breath today, and we're going to dive just a little bit deeper and go into Romans chapter 5, verses 1 and 2. And here's what he said. He says, therefore, being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. I'm going to read verse 2. It says, by whom we also have access by faith unto this grace wherein we stand, and he said, and rejoice in the hope of glory. And so, folks, when he starts out here in Romans chapter 5, I want to read that again because I want you to get that in your heart. He says, therefore, being justified by faith, we have peace through God and our Lord, peace with God, excuse me, through our Lord Jesus Christ, by whom we also have access by faith unto His grace, wherein we stand and rejoice in uh, of the glory of God. Folks, when he says that, therefore we being justified by faith, what he's saying is it establishes literally the fact that, that will remain as the basis and, and that our justification is strictly a faith thing. And I just said that a minute ago, but we've got to maintain that thing. He says, therefore being justified by faith. And so Paul the Apostle says, listen, we're going to dive into some deeper things. He said, but I just want to establish the fact of the matter. Everything, our justification, comes through faith. That is the place, that is the premise, that is where it's going to come from. That's the conclusion that, is, that has been worked out in those four previous chapters, and now it's going to serve literally as that springboard of that premise into the, into the next phrase that we're going to be taught this morning. In Romans uh, 1, 8, uh, 1, uh, 18 through 3.20, he, he took the time and he just really proved to us that man is in need of a Savior. That everything that, that we've fallen, that, that, that all have sinned and come short of the glory of God, that we have a need. In Romans 3, uh, 21 through 30 about, he just revealed that it comes and it's appropriated in the life of a believer. Then in Romans 3, 31 through about 4, 24, he shows back the example of, of Abraham that even prior to uh, the ordinance of circumcision or the law, that, that divine protocol was based upon faith. And so folks, we talked about somewhat about justification in the previous classes. But chapter 5 really is a chapter that really establishes this whole thing about justification in a, in a powerful way. And I want you to look at something as you're taking notes. That word justification here in the Greek, because listen to what he says. He says, therefore being justified by faith. And, and we've kind of just, really I've just, I've bored it down upon you that we need to know what faith is. We need to know what grace is. We need to know what all these things are because they're so 
thrown out in Christendom and they've become almost cliche. And so people talk about faith and faith is morphed into something apart from what God intended it to be. You know, faith is that, 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 that moral conviction of the truthfulness of God. But in some circles, faith has become this, this creative force of your words and, and faith has become kind of this, this thing that's kind of just out there, this ooey-gooey feeling and, and grace has just become this license for sin or this the old covenant definition of, of just some unmerited favor and just some floating thing out there that really that we don't have any responsibility towards rather than the divine influence of God upon the heart and its reflection in the life. And folks, justification, I believe, sometimes is, is kind of misinterpreted or misunderstood in, in quite the same way. But folks, that word justification is a noun that's derived from the Greek word dikeo. And that you, uh, an English spelling of that for you would be D-I-K-A-I-O-O, which means to be declared righteous or to be acquitted in a legal sense. I want to say that again. It's uh, To be justified, it means I'm declared righteous or I'm uh, acquitted in, in a legal sense of the word. I, I'm not a big television watcher, but... Uh, there's some programs that, that I, I like to catch when I can, and it's it's the program Law and Order. It's the old, I guess, the original part of the series. And, and I caught an episode of it one day uh, when I when I uh, when I first started in college. One of my desires, I was my my, my personal plan was I was going to finish out, go to law school, and, and, and practice law. So I've always kind of been interested in that. For two years while I was in uh, school in in, in in Texas, I would I worked for an attorney's office when Melly and I first got married. And so I was always kind of around that. And so I started watching this Law and Order. I like it because it's not a, there's not a bunch of ooey-gooey love stuff. It's not a bunch of smut. It's not a bunch of junk like that. It's basically just that they come upon a crime scene. The first 30 minutes of the program was they're, they're, they're trying to find a suspect. And the last half hour is the court proceeding. But in that, you see a lot of things. And I have an attorney friend that's based out of Phoenix. And I asked her, I said, hey, what do you think about that Law and Order? And she said, she said well, attorney, she said, that's one of the only law shows that we'll watch because it's... It's it's more uh, uh, true to form in the legal sense. It doesn't go into a bunch of junk that these others, this drama does, that's really not in reality. And so I was watching that, and I'd see these type of processes that would would happen. And so when I began to to study out justification, I looked at that, and it talks about that justification is to be declared righteous or to be acquitted in a a legal sense. It, It really sparked something in me. What is interesting about is this, this justification does not downplay the sin or the acts of unrighteousness that have led up to the spiritual indictment, but instead what justification serves to do is to magnify the greatness and the mercy of the act of the acquittal that has come upon the accused. And I'll say this. It's kind of like when a, a, a criminal goes before a, 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 a prosecutor and the prosecutor offers a plea bargain. He says, listen, if you'll help us to convict someone else of a greater crime, what we'll do is we'll reduce the charges against you. Even though you were, you were guilty, even though you were part, what we're going to do is we're going to reduce the charges against you in the plea bargain. Folks, listen, for us, it's, it, it, we're even greater than a plea bargain. There was a great charge that has been a, across humanity. And see, every one of us fall into that same type of deal. But, but as the acquittal comes down, basically what we do is we're, we're called as a witness for the state. And what we do is we testify in our lives against sin and against unrighteousness. And so what we are, we, we, we become that voice of the court. And we say, listen, we were just as guilty as anyone else. We got inside information about the crime and the, the, the wickedness of those type of things. We may say to ourselves, listen, I wasn't as sinful as uh, Hitler. I wasn't as sin- sinful as, as, as uh, Mussolini. Or I wasn't as sinful as, as, as whoever these people might have been that created and, and committed great atrocities of this or, or Ted Bundy or, or whatever it may be. 
But folks, listen, when we got indicted, we got indicted all together. When Adam fell, the indictment came down and, and sin was laid upon each and every one of us. And those charges from generation to generation to generation were levied against every single one of us. But when God approaches us through the Holy Spirit, and that's really what it's like. It's like the prosecuting attorney is like the Holy Spirit. He comes before us and He offers us a, a plea bargain. He says if we'll repent, he said, we won't perish. He said, if we'll come and we'll be a witness on the, the holiness and the righteousness and the justification of the court, that He'll throw out those charges against us for our testimony. Now, now think about that in the legal sense of the word. We, we overcome by the blood of the Lamb, by what Jesus did. He's the only one that can stand in the, that, that high court of heaven and declare our righteousness before the, the mercy seat. But, but, but He's offered us that, that chance to testify on His behalf. What do we say? Like the, like the old song says that I was, uh, I, I was a, a wretch, but, but now I'm found. I was blind, but now I see that it's an amazing grace that, that I was wicked, that I was destitute. But Christ Jesus came on the scene and by His stripes that I'm healed. By His mercy, I've been set free. By, by, by hope in His glory that I've been redeemed from the, the curse of the law. And so, folks, listen, that's what justification is. Justification is him saying, listen, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to come and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to testify on your behalf. I'm going to throw out those charges and you're going to testify of something greater than yourself. And that's really what that whole acquittal process is. But, and it's really not unlike the whole process of a, uh, that, that unique uh, power of the, the, of, of the office that a governor or president has where they're able to pardon a convicted uh, criminal and have their, their record totally expunged and forever sealed from future considerations. Now consider this for just a second. 1 John 1.9 says this. 1 John 1.9. He says, If we confess our sins, He is faithful and just. And there's that, that same word for justification. If we uh, confess our sins, He is faithful and He acquits us uh, and forgives us of our sins and He cleanses us from all unrighteousness. If we confess our sins. I was watching one of these old episodes, these reruns of this, this Law and Order. And, uh, they brought this, this fellow in before the, the prosecutor and uh, his attorney said, so what kind of deal? And he says, well, it depends on what your client's willing to say. And folks, it's the same thing with us. We can't expect God to forgive us or make a deal with us if we're not willing to confess our sins and repent. What we want to do is we want to come in and say, God, I'm not admitting any wrong. I'm not really saying that I did anything bad. I'm not saying that I'm wicked, or I'm not just saying that I deserve hell or anything. But what I'm saying is I want you to offer me a sweet deal. Because, folks, that is the message of the modern church. The modern church has stood up in the pulpit, and they tried to offer people a sweet deal. And they said, listen, we're not saying that you've done anything wrong. We're not saying that, that, that you could be convicted. We're not saying that, that you deserve hell. But what we're saying is that, you know, just you know, for for an offer to you, if you'll come on up here and you'll pray this prayer, we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna say that that you're okay. And we're gonna offer you a, a better life. We're gonna offer you a, a sweeter deal. We're gonna give you a great package, and and you won't ever have to worry about being convicted, folks. Listen, the the deal is commensurate upon the confession of our sins and our repentance from dead works, just like it is in the legal sense in, in a court of law in in in. in in our nation, it's the same type of way. It depends on what we're willing to say. If we're willing to say, God, I'm wicked, that I'm destitute, that without you I have no hope, He is willing to come in and to acquit us. He's willing to come in and, and to, to pardon us from all of our sins. 
to cleanse us from all unrighteousness, to, to remove the curse, to remove the verdict of all those type of things. But he says to cleanse. And what's interesting about that, that word cleanse, it, it really has kind of a, 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 a four meanings to it. It means to, to rid of the dirt. It means to rid of the disease. It means to rid of the defilement and to rid of the guilt. And I want to say that again. He says, if we confess our sins, if we're willing to come clean and to admit our crime, if we're willing to admit our error, He says that He is faithful and justified to cleanse us, to, 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 to wash us, to, to rid us of the dirt, to rid us of the disease, to rid us of the defilement, to rid us of the, of the guilt, to, to remove all those stains, to remove the, the effects of the disease, to remove that, the defilement, to defile, to defile us, to be made dirty, to, 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 to be put at odd against Him, and to remove the guilt or the feelings that all of those other things produce. And so this justification or this acquittal stands much like that jury foreman who stands in a court of law, and, and I just love the, the, the visual imagery of this, that, that when he, he, he acquits us or, or he justifies us, it's like that, that jury foreman and the judge saying, have you reached a verdict? And that jury foreman hands him that, that paper and, and he looks at it and he opens it up and, and he says, uh, they, they have reached a, uh, a, a verdict following their deliberations on these multiple counts that have been levied against us because of our, our, our enormous sins. And he says, on the charge of the dirt, he says, we the jury find the defendant not guilty. On the charge of the disease, we the, the, the people of the jury find the defendant not guilty. On the, on the, the, the charge of being defiled, we the, 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 the members of the jury find the defendant not guilty. On the charge of guilt and of shame and of wickedness, we the members of the jury find the defendant not guilty. What was that based upon? That was based upon the, the defendant uh, having someone standing, a mediator. The Bible says that we have one mediator, we have one advocate, we have one attorney between God and man, between, between our, our failure, between our sin, between our wickedness, and the judge, the holy righteous judge that's going to judge us according to holiness. There's one person that stands between us and a guilty verdict of condemnation into hell. And it's that advocate, Jesus Christ, through the blood of Jesus that we have before the Father. And so, how do we find? We, we find them not guilty and you are free to go. And folks, listen. When Jesus finds us uh, guilty, what are, we, what are we free to do? We're free to go. And it's not just to go and to do what we want to to get into that same thing. Think about when the woman was caught in the very act of adultery. He came to her and, and listen, he stood before that, that, that court of, of her peers. And think about this in the, in the legal sense in our nation, that you're to be judged by a jury of your peers. She stood out there and literally she was judged by a, a jury of her peers. How do I know it was her peers? Because when Jesus bent down and he began to write something in the sand... He said, you that are without sin, cast the first stone. And so he put them on a legal, uh, in a legal sense on an equal footing with them. And he says, okay. He said, I want to see all of her peers. And he says, if you're able to judge her, he said, I want you to stand in judgment and condemnation. And I want you to stand as the one that convicts her and the one that condemns her. And it says they all walked away. And he looked at the woman. He said, I stand as that one. He said, I stand as the justifier. And he says, neither do I condemn thee. He said, but I want you to now... Go, but he didn't stop there. He said, I want you to go and sin no more. How many times throughout the Gospels, with the four Gospels, that we see Jesus heal somebody or restore somebody, and he said, go and sin no more unless a worse thing befall you, unless another calamity, unless something worse happens to you. And folks, listen, that's the message of the cross. 
It is, listen, you've been, you've been acquitted. You've been pardoned from your sins. That He has uh, freed you and ridded you from the dirt of sin, the disease of sin, the, the defilement of sin, and the guilt of sin. But He tells us, He says, now you can go. He says, but, but go and sin no more. Don't walk back into that same defilement. Don't walk back into that same sin. Don't allow those same things to come upon your life. Don't, 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 don't allow that, that predator of, of wickedness and of, 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 of defilement to come and to, to hold you in bondage again. And folks, the powerful thing about the blood of Jesus and the forgiveness and the mercy of Him is that there's no double jeopardy. And some of you may understand what double jeopardy is. Uh, that, that you can't be tried or convicted of the same crime a second time or, or twice. If you've been acquitted of something, that you can't be, be charged with it or convicted of it again. It's, folks, it's the exact same way in heaven. That, that, that once our sins are, 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 are cleansed from us, once, once He's forgiven us of those sins, no more is the adversary going to be able to come and, to, and to, to bring that charge against you again. And so when He brings them against you, you can say, listen, you may remember that sin, I may remember that sin, but, but the, the Lord Jesus is going to throw those charges out because of lack of evidence. He, he casts those, sea, those, those, those sins into the depths of the sea, that He does not remember those things no more, that He blots those things out, that He obliterates those, and there is literally no record of those sins any longer. See, folks, we have, we have the ability to remember those sins, to, to walk in guilt and walk in condemnation. The adversary is always going to come and remind you of those charges that were against you and always going to drum up. He's always going to, going to try to pull up your old record. And you know, you, you, you think about a police drama or a television show. They're always they're wanting to go pull a rap sheet. Oh, listen, back so many years ago that you, you did this and you've got a history of those type of things. Folks, you know what? You know how far back your, your spiritual rap sheet goes? to the last application of the blood of Jesus. That is it. And I want to say that again. How far does the, the indictment go against you? How far does your record go to the last application of the blood of Jesus? If today you went before the Lord Jesus Christ with a repentant heart and you said, God, I need you to forgive me of my sins, to cleanse me from all unrighteousness, He said immediately, He said the blood of Jesus washes and cleanses you from all unrighteousness. That is expunged. That is everything that you've ever done is immediately uh, uh, wiped out and you, it will never be held to your charge again. The adversary is never going to come back and he's going to say, well, what about what such and such did back then? God's going to say, listen, that, that record has been cleared. There's, there's no record of that. There's no physical evidence. There's not anybody that they can call. There's no credible witnesses. And they've got an ironclad alibi against anything that you ever can say. And the adversary can say, well, what's that alibi? And he's going to point to his nail-scarred hands. Folks, listen, your alibi against sin, your alibi against the dirt and the, the iniquity that plagued you in your past, the alibi that, 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 that said that, listen, you were wicked in your thoughts and you were wicked in your deeds and, 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 and all those sins that you had in your life and all those iniquities and all the, the sins of the fathers that, that desire to be visited upon their children in the third and fourth generation. Listen, you've been expunged from those things that no longer is that record. And here's your alibi when he holds up his name scarred hands. See folks, some of you need to call upon that alibi today. You need to say, listen God, the adversary time and time again has tried to bring those charges against me. And you're going to say, listen, I've got an ironclad alibi. It's the nail scarred hands. It's the pierced side. It's the scars of the crown that was laid upon his head. It's the scars of the stripes against the back, the back of Jesus. Folks, listen. He tells us specifically, therefore, you have been justified. And we have peace through our Lord Jesus Christ 
as a result of being justified by faith in Him. Micah 7, 9, I quoted this just a second ago. It says, He will turn again and He will have compassion on us. He will subdue our iniquities and He will cast all of our sins into the depths of the sea. Folks, listen, if we've had faith in Christ Jesus, if we've, we've walked in that and we've allowed Him to, to come in and, and to, to stand as our mediator, to stand as our advocate before the Father, listen, all those things have been cast into the depths of the sea. Therefore being justified, he says, or therefore being declared righteous and acquitted of all sins by the moral conviction of the truthfulness of God, we have peace with God through the Lord Jesus Christ. And folks, it's, it's so important in this that, uh, to, to repeat that this justification must always and only come through faith. But faith in what? If I'm going to have that, that justification, if I'm going to have that, that acquittal, if I'm going to have that, 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 that legal sense, that, 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 that fact that I've been made not guilty through Christ Jesus, it's always got to come through faith. Because once it departs from faith, what does it have the tendency to do? It has a tendency to listen to the voice of condemnation. It has a, a, vo- a tendency to listen to, those, to the voice of those things that have been thrown out of our lives in times past. Folks, I got news for you. The enemy is not creative. He, does, he comes and he'll bring the exact same things against you. He'll knock on the same door. He'll try to bring up the exact same evidence time and time again. And the only time that he can drum those things up is when you give him ear. And so you've always got to know that this justification only comes through faith. And so faith comes by hearing. And hearing by what? The Word of God. And so literally what we've got to ask God to do on a, on a daily basis is, God, I want my ears to be stopped to anything except faith except being uh, morally convicted of what you say. I don't want my circumstances to speak to me. I don't want my health to speak to me. I don't want my finances to speak to me. I don't want my past to speak to me. I don't want relationships to speak to me. I want the Word of God to speak to me. Then I will speak to my finances. I will speak to my relationships. I will speak to my health. And I will speak to those situations, not about what I see or about what they say, Lord God, but I'll speak to those situations out of what you said and I'll testify, Lord God, according to the, to, the, to, the, to the justification or to the acquittal, Lord God, that you brought into my life through the blood of Jesus Christ. Folks, we've got to train ourselves and we've got to walk in accordance with those type of things because that's, that's the genuine walk of faith and the life of faith that the Word of God promises us in Romans chapter 1, verses 15, 16, and 17 that the just, it is written, the just shall live by faith. And so in Him we, we live and move and we have our being. And in Him we're going to have the victory over those things. This is the victory that overcomes even our faith. But faith in the Word of God and most importantly in that gospel message. And I, I talked a few lessons ago about those aspects that we have been talked about in the cross that, that we've been talked about out of our healing. We've been talked about out of our deliverance. We've been talked about the, the peace that passes understanding. We've been talked out of those type of things and we need to begin to, to, to walk back into those things and declare, listen, you don't have any charges against me no more. Not because I said so, but because of the blood of Jesus has declared me not guilty before God. And so it's, it's so vitally important in today's world and specifically for us as a part of the modern church uh, to, to never to try to, try to to manufacture some type of justification apart from faith. And so uh, what Paul is telling us is literally that, that nothing that we do, nothing that we can say apart from faith in Him, apart from that, that reading the, the, the verdict that Christ Jesus gives us will produce righteousness. Folks, I've said it before and I want to say it again because it bears repeating. 
Works will never produce righteousness. Ordinances, whether you've been baptized, whether you take communion, whether you've had your feet washed, whether any of those things will never uh, produce righteousness. The works of the law will never produce righteousness. Nothing apart from faith in the Lord Jesus Christ was ever designed or ever had the ability to produce righteousness in our lives. And so what you're going to find today in the, in the modern church, and you've seen it, you, you've heard it, we've talked about it right here, is you'll find a, a gospel or a, a type of, I'll call it just a false gospel, that, that literally in the flesh it sounds very appealing to the natural man. But literally what it does, while it's appealing to the natural man, it condemns the spirit man. And I'll say that again. There's a modern false gospel that is appealing to the natural man but in effect, what it does, it condemns the spirit man. It's that wide gate gospel that we've talked about that just says, listen, if you're just a good person, if you're a nice person that does good and nice things, this will, 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 will attract suddenly attract people to a relationship with Jesus. Folks, listen. In our flesh, Paul the Apostle said, dwells no good thing. There's nothing in us that's going to attract people to Jesus apart from the Holy Spirit drawing them to Him. Now, does that mean that we don't do works? Absolutely not. We've created unto good works. We're His workmanship. James tells us that, you know, show us your faith without works, and I'll show you my faith with works, because faith without works is dead. But folks, I tell you what, if faith without works is dead, works without faith never even got off the ground. You hear what I'm saying? If faith without works is dead, then, then works without faith never uh, never was animated, never had any life to it whatsoever. And so we've got to always understand that place that we're coming from, that the only thing that God has for us is, is a faith that is only comprehended through a relationship with Him and through the power of the blood of Jesus and through faith in that. And so we get that appealing message through that. And, and you see these, these books that, are, that come out, uh, Purpose Driven Life, Purpose Driven Church, your best life now. And all those things, if you'll read them on the surface, it says, boy, that's really a good thing. It's talking about being good to people and being nice to people. But folks, I'll tell you what, if it doesn't, if it doesn't strictly revolve around the cross of Calvary, the blood of Jesus, and, and repentance, and, and fleeing from the wrath to come, that He came to, 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 to save us from the, the, the wretchedness of our life and compel us to go tell other people about Jesus Christ, listen, I'll tell you what, folks, it is not the gospel of Jesus Christ. Think about this. 1 Corinthians chapter 17, excuse me, chapter 1, verses 17 through 23. It says, Christ did not send me to baptize, but to preach the gospel, not with the wisdom of words, lest the cross of Christ should be made of no effect. For the message of the cross uh, is foolishness to those that are perishing, but us which are saved is the power of God. For it is written, He said, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise and bring to nothing the understanding of the prudent. Where is the wise? Where is the scribe? Where is the disputer of this age? Has not God made foolish the wisdom of this world? For since in the wisdom of God, the world through wisdom did not know God, it pleased God through the foolishness of the message preached. Through what? Through the foolishness of the message. Through the content of the message. Folks, listen. The message matters. The truth matters. The gospel matters. If we can say, well, if, listen, if I can just be nice enough or kind enough or sweet enough, folks, listen, the power is not in the messenger. The power is in the message. He said, I've, I've chosen through the, the foolishness of the message preached to save those that believe. For Jews require a sign and Greeks uh, seek after wisdom. But we preach Christ crucified to the Jews as a stumbling block and to the Greeks foolishness. Folks, listen. Our programs, our efforts never produce righteousness. Random acts of kindness will not produce righteousness. 
relating to someone's sin or acting like someone in order to get them saved will not produce righteousness. All those things are as indicative of self-righteousness that merely produce more filthiness in our lives. We are justified by faith in the Word of God, not by works or the efforts of man, because to do so would be a, a total depend, uh, departure from dependence upon the Word of God. Now, now think about this. He said, therefore, being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Let me ask you a question. What is the result of being justified by faith? Now, if you're listening to this or you're participating here live today, listen, you're, many of you folks are, are believers and Christians, but we can say to ourselves, listen, therefore, folks, listen, it's been established that, you are, that you're justified by faith. If I, if I took a, a, a straw poll of, of you folks that are participating, I said, how many of you are, are saved? How many of you are born again? Probably the biggest percentage of people that are listening would, would, would speak in the affirmative. Yes, I, I'm saved. But he says, therefore, or because, or as, as a result of, what should be the result of your salvation? What should be the result of, of your sanctification? What should be the result of this relationship that you would have with them? Folks, listen, that, that relationship has got to reproduce or produce a transformation in our life that's going to do what we're going to talk about today. What is the result? The result is that we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. The Word tells us, follow peace with all men and holiness, without which no man shall see the Lord. Folks, listen, if we're justified before God and, and we're not walking and we're not experiencing peace, we need to go back to that first place and say, listen, God, why is it that I, I don't have a peace? I hear people all the time saying, listen, I just don't have a, a peace about that or I just don't feel peace about that. Well, listen, we need to go back to the source of peace then. And, and folks, I'm going to tell you something today out of verse 1. There are, are two types or two kinds of peace that he is talking about here. And you write that down in your notes. There are two types of peace. There is justifying peace and there is sanctifying peace. Number one, there is justifying peace. Number two, there is sanctifying peace. So he says, therefore, being justified by faith, we have sanctifying peace and we have justifying peace through our Lord Jesus Christ. And I want to give you the difference in those type of things because I think sometimes those lines can kind of be blurred and they'll kind of bend together. But justifying peace, or the first one that we've been talking about, just that faith towards God and being saved, that initial experience that He has for us, that is having peace with God. And so put write that down. Put Justifying peace is having peace with God. That is obtaining this this legal standing that, that we've talked about, that acquittal process, that being de declared not guilty. And so when I have faith with God, that means that God has, has pardoned me of my sins. He's cleansed me from all unrighteousness. He, he, is, he, is, he has said not guilty. He has spoken and said, go now and sin no more. Now, folks, listen to this. In, in, in because of man's sin, what it did is it created this great enmity between God and man. And, and literally, we talk about enmity, we use a word like that, which is not real common in the English usage of the word. But what literally, that when it says that there's an enmity against, against, uh, between God and man, it's literally, it's a mutual hatred and ill will. That's the literal Greek definition. If there's an enmity, he says there was a great enmity. It's a mutual hatred and ill will. Now, see, that may disturb you somewhat because... You may think to yourself, well, I never did hate God. Well, the, the Word would say different. The Word would say that there was a hatred. And it says, well, did God hate me? Well, Psalm 711, it says that God is angry with the wicked. 
every single day. And so, folks, we, sometimes I think what happens, it's hard for us to understand or acknowledge this because we, we, we're in this climate or this atmosphere of a grace without growth teaching and it, it is so prevalent. And if we want to hide everything behind our understanding or comprehension of what love is. And so we refuse to, to see love for what or who it really is. Folks, listen. Love isn't this all-encompassing thing that just says, listen, I don't care what you do. I don't care who you are. I don't care about your will. That's not what love is. First John 4, 7 and 8 tells us, Beloved, we've got to love one another. Why? Because love is of God, and everyone that loveth is born of God and knows God. It says, He that loves not knows God, not God, for God is love. It doesn't say God does love, but it says the person who God is, is God is love. And see, folks, love requires something. Love requires a fidelity. And it's the same way within a marriage relationship. If you say that you love your husband, or you say that you love your, your wife, there's a requirement of that love, and it's a fidelity towards them. But, the, but if there's an infidelity, or there's a, a cheating in that relationship, or defilement of that relationship, and you go to another, what happens? Immediately there becomes a, a, a mutual uh, hatred or ill will between the two parties. One is the offended party and one is the offender in that, in that situation. And so folks, it's the same way with us and God. God loves us. We know John 3.16. God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son. Because God had that, the, the love that's derived out of holiness, not a, a love that's, that's der derived out of some uh, frivolity or, or, or some type of puppy love or, or some type of, of, of love that's, that's more akin to lust or a great desire. But it's a love that demands holiness, a, demand that, a love that demands righteousness. And so it's, because He has that great love to us, what did He do? He provided a mechanism in the blood of Jesus and the cross of Calvary to restore that type of love. Not the, not the love that, that, that man calls, the lust of the eyes, the lust of the flesh, and the pride of life, but the, the love of God that loves holiness, that loves righteousness, that loves the presence of God, that loves obedience. Because unless love has those concepts or has those components would be a better way of putting it. Folks, it's not love at all. And so, to be justified means that I've come back and I have a peace with God, that enmity between us and God, that, that mutual hatred, that thing that, listen, said that I hated God. The Word tells us that we cannot serve dual masters. We can't serve two. That we'll love one, now listen, and hate the other, or hate the other and love one. Folks, listen, when we're not walking in obedience in faith in Jesus Christ, and we're not walking in, in, in that, that, that verdict or that edict of justification or, or that acquittal process in Christ Jesus, what we're doing is we're walking in hatred towards God. The people that you witness to on the streets or the people that you talk to about Jesus at workplace, we, we can't walk in with the premise that, listen, they're not saved, but, but listen, they're not hostile towards God. Yes, they are hostile towards God. They hate God. Because the Word says that this is the condemnation, that men love darkness rather than light because their deeds were evil. You'll find that in John 3.17. Folks, that's the key to that. Listen, there is a the world hates God. The world has enmity. There is an ill will against the things of God. Every single day when they wake up and they do wickedness, they are committing an offense. They are committing atrocities. They are committing heinous acts against the gospel of the kingdom. Just as heinous as, as, as Hitler uh, uh, having Six million Jews killed, just as, as, as heinous as, a, as a, a Ted Bundy or Jeffrey Dahmer committing mass murder. Any of those type of things are the man.
man that went into the to the Virginia uh, Tech University and killed all those people. It is that same type of atrocity. But listen, it's, it's not a one-day thing. It's an every single day and every single hour we are committing hatred and ill will and variance against the very holiness of God. And so, folks, I believe that when we begin to see things the way He sees things, then listen, if we're going to be justified by faith, if we're going to be brought back to that place, we've got to, to have that peace that's, that's not just this ooey-gooey, this, this, this tiptoe through the tulips peace, but listen, it's a place that's going to bridge that gap, but it's going to heal the hatred that we felt towards God, and that, that mutual reciprocating hatred. Listen, folks, be not deceived. God is not mocked. Whatsoever a man sows... That's silly also reap. If we're sowing through an unregenerate life and that variance and that, 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 that enmity against God, if we're sowing out of that hatred of our heart towards the righteousness of God, we're going to reap something out of that. We're going to reap hatred and we're going to reap judgment and we're going to reap consequences. That's why it's so important when you preach to the lost to realize where they're at. That they're not a basically a good person. That this is a person that's walking in a wickedness and defilement. And if they stand before God in their present condition, that the wrath and the judgment of God is going to come down upon them. That when that jury foreman of, of, of the Holy Spirit stands up, he's going to read that indictment, that, that rap sheet against them. And it's going to be guilty, 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 guilty. Guilty as charged. And the verdict's going to come down. And there's going to say, and, and what is the verdict? And he's going to stand, stand and rise and shut your mouth because my verdict is death. My verdict is an eternal hell and, and, and there's no escape. There, there, is, there is no chance for, for a reversal of the decision. Folks, listen, when we begin to see the, 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 the consequences of sin and those type of respect, what's it going to do? It's certainly going to change the, the, the way that we walk. It's going, to see, it's going to see us and we're going to see the great and the powerful uh, uh, mercy that God bestowed upon us. But we're going to take that same mercy and we're going to go out and, and through, uh, through, through, through eyes swollen with tears and through crackling voices of desperation, we're going to appeal to them to come and to, to, to accept that plea bargain of mercy that God has brought if they'll just confess if they'll just can, can admit their sins that, 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 and, 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 and come to one that is able to stand in the gap for them that God is forg to forgive them. But folks, listen, because the modern church has, has not preached that, the, the timeless message of, of, of the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ, listen, what we have people thinking they're beating the rap. They're, they're thinking that they've got them a high-priced eternity in the devil himself, and he's just putting it off, and he's just extending the court date. And but folks, listen, all he's getting is a continuance. That's what people are walking in. They're they're walking in the in a legal sense of the word, a legal continuance. That they're just putting it off and putting it off, and, and they're say, he's, he's the devil is telling them, listen, listen, I'm just going to put that thing off, and it's going to get buried so deep in the docket that you're never going to have to give a response to that, or you're never going to have to answer that, folks. I tell you what, there's there's a, a day of judgment coming. There's a day that we're going to stand before God, the righteous Judge, and we're going to give an account. But we have, but we that believe have been justified through faith in Him. Acts twenty. 20 through 21 says this. Acts 20, 20 through 21. And it says, Paul the Apostle said, I have kept back nothing that was profitable unto you. He said, But I have showed you and have taught you publicly and from house to house, testifying both to Jews and also to the Greeks, repentance towards God and faith towards our Lord Jesus Christ. Folks, listen. We have got to bring people to that repentance and to faith. There's got to be repentance. There is no faith apart from repentance and there's no repentance without 
conviction. There's no repentance unless we bring that indictment of sin and say, listen, the reason that you're in the situation that you are, it's because that you hate God, that there is a variance, that there is enmity against Him, and that, that God is angry with the wicked every single day, according to Psalms 7, 11, and there is no peace apart from that process. But folks, but when we come to this place, then we do have peace with God. I'm going to say that again. When we do come to that place, then we have peace with God. That is, that He removes that hostility that, that, that holiness, has, 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 that the absence of holiness He created. And so when we have peace with God, boom, what happens? Righteousness now is imputed unto us where, where sin was only imputed to us. Righteousness is put upon our account where sin only created a rap sheet or, or created that process of indictment against us. And now so when we come to Him, boom, something happens and we have faith with God. So folks, this peace with God, that I told you there's two, two things, that we have the, the peace with God, then we have the peace of God, and so or, or, or justifying peace is peace with God, sanctifying peace is going to be the peace of God, and so when we have that justifying peace of the peace with God, basically what it does, it's kind of like the example that we have in Exodus chapter 12, when they put the, the, the blood upon the doorpost, and that judgment passed by. Now folks, they had a peace with God, so they were in a place that the blood was applied, but do you think all the people within those houses slept good that night? I'm sure that there was many people that, 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 that tossed and turned or said, I just, I'm going to stay awake until the sun comes up. Even though they knew that they were protected, there was still an uneasiness. And so, folks, listen. Even though you get saved, have that peace towards God, there's still something resident there that, that creates an, an uneasiness. And so, but what changes that is the sanctifying peace. The justifying peace is the peace with God. Sanctifying peace is having the peace of God. I'm going to explain that to you. The first one has to do with justification or just being made right. Just knowing, listen, regardless of where I'm at, how uh, mature I am in the gospel, listen, I've just got to come to the conclusion that regardless of what I know or what I don't know, that I've been sanctified by Him. That that's the result of just me coming to salvation and repenting. I know I don't deserve it. I don't know what to do next. I, I don't know all the process. But what I do know is, listen, God, I'm, I'm throwing myself on the mercy of your court, and I'm just going to trust you in this situation. That is the peace of God. And so I'm, I'm just saying, listen, I don't know how you're going to do it, but I just know you're going to do it. I don't know how you're going to do it, but listen, I've, I've just got to come to that place. And yeah, there may be a nervousness, there may be an uncertainty, but, but I'm just going to let you do a work in my heart and to bring me to that place. And so the first one is, is firm. The second one, though, that, that peace of God is something that, that is a sanctification process and something that we walk out. Folks, listen, when we first come to Christ Jesus, listen, He, he obliterates sin from us. But there's something that's got to come back into us when we come into Him and that, that peace that, 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 that passes that process or passes that, that limitation of what we know. It is as Christ comes into our life. David tells us that I've hidden the word in my heart that I won't sin against Him. You know what that is, folks? That's that sanctifying process. Listen, where I was at 22 years ago when I first became born again, listen, I'm not there anymore. There, listen, I was on fire for God. I, was, I, was, I was, uh, had a zeal for the things of God. But listen, I know things now that I didn't know then. Things that I may have stressed about then or got uptight about then, listen, I don't know because then I, I had the peace with God. Today, I want to walk in the peace of God. So folks, listen, when he tells us we're justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Listen, we've got to not only have a justifying peace, but we've got to have the sanctifying peace. How do you get the sanctifying peace? 
We're doing it today. You're learning of God. You're taking the Word of God. You're hiding the Word of God in your heart. You're seeking the face of God through prayer, through intercession, through fasting, through reading the Word, through studying the Word, through a commitment to Him to be obedient, to do the things of Christ Jesus. Then what ends up happening? There's a declaration. and there's a, there's, a, there's a peace that literally passes your comprehension of your circumstance that is not only declaring you not guilty before God, but you're declaring yourself not guilty in your testimony before other people. Folks, we're totally out of time this morning. We're going to jump into verse 2 tomorrow. I'm going to touch on just that and close out that tomorrow. But listen, we're out of time. But if, if, if you're hearing this for the first time on, on, on tape, you can go to our website, www.biggrace.com. You can click on Raven Institute and download uh, the 45 previous messages onto your computer. Absolutely free of charge. No copyright. And tomorrow we'll be back writing the Word of God. Folks, got some advice for you to do today. Get into God's Word and God's Word will get into you.